0: Welcome back, everybody, to yet another SK Fantasy Football Podcast episode. I th- is, hold on, how is is this our first of 2022? Are we in our third year officially, our yeah, third this, calendar this, year?
1: Yeah, this is our third year of, you know, fantasy football That's content. wild.
0: That's kind of wild to think about. It second is. second full season, but third calendar year is, is cool.
1: Yeah, we're coming on to, after a couple of weeks, we'll have season three of the SK Fantasy Football yeah. Podcast, so... We're just rounding out the end of season two,
0: and we'll have some good stuff planned for the off-season uh, draft episodes. I think uh, I think we will work on a, a, a like a series of episodes, like kind of um, kind of set in order of how we break down things, rather than maybe a little uh, clunky. We're learning as we're going um, on on what works best and, and how to format everything. So. But uh, this episode, and it's the end of the season, it's NFL playoffs, it's the NFL divisional round, we're recording this Sunday, we just watched Tom Brady's career end to a white receiver, as crazy as that may sound, that is what happened, Cooper Cup, oh my god, um, league MVP, everything you could imagine, uh, he, he did it all, and Matthew Stafford, um, Oh, this anxiety. Just anxiety, uh, this, this epi- just, anxiety. <laughs> just full on anxiety, I had to step out for a second, just because I was freaking out a little bit, but yeah, and... I mean, coming into this game, like, I wanted the Rams to win. But, like, I wasn't going to be mad if it was the Buccaneers. Like, I don't really have that much of a grievance. I think it was, you know, and we, we said we were talking to each other, you know, as the game was going, closing down. We're like, it's the way this happened if the Bucks win this. Like, the endless stories of, like, Brady, come back again. And it's like, no, no, no. The Rams did everything in their power to make this a close game. Like,
1: <laughs> Oh, yeah. That third and fourth quarter was, like, the especially the end and the beginning, which is chaos. Just, you know, turnover after turnover. Yeah. Terrible play for the Rams, and then you know it wasn't like the Bucks were really doing anything to to stop it either. It was just craziness. But it's over, and Tom Brady is you know talking about done. talking about retirement. You know, I'm sure we'll get more into that as you know our dynasty and stuff uh, off season continues. But yeah, it was an exciting game, and Cooper Cup, like you said, he, I'm sure we're going to talk about him more in this you know episode, but reviewing the season but uh yeah he's just a stud league mvp give it to him
0: and we are two games away from trey lance possibly winning his first super bowl <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> like hey, we we hyped him all off season for this moment like what if jimmy gets hurt in the next game and they win and it's trey lance super bowl like could you imagine the chills just, just thinking about it
1: I mean, I already had a, I had a great Trey Lance moment. I, I won the Hangover League with Trey Lance as my starting quarterback. Even you know, with the downfall of you know him not being the stud that I wanted to, him to be all off season and all season. But yeah, get, getting that last win of the season kind of corrected it. I'm 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 going to talk about him more here in a little bit about our uh, as we review the season.
0: Yeah, and that's that's what we're gonna get into. Kind of just a year and uh, wrap of like some of our best takes, things we've learned, uh, things we're kind of looking forward to next season, and and things we you know maybe want to evade, do more of, etc. Um, and we'll just start with the best one, uh, the first one on the list, which is our personal best take, our best calls. So. Um, I don't know if you want to start. Uh, you had the better season just overall in fantasy, so I'll let you take it away with your best call. Yeah, so I couldn't
1: – I thinking of my best calls, I kind of narrowed it down to two, just kind of when we were looking at project my projections from uh, last year. And really my two best calls were probably Jonathan Taylor and uh, Justin Jefferson, uh, both of them – you know, overachieved even my highest projections of them. But still, I felt like I was higher than most on both of them compared to the market. And so uh, those would probably be my best calls. Uh, What about you?
0: My best call, I think um, it's tough. I've been looking at it um, and trying to decide, you know, where I wanted to go with this. Um I think I want to end up with uh claiming Mike Williams as a you know like he, he died off he wasn't as powerful as he was to start the year but for how he finished is like pretty much exactly where I had him projected wise so it was just awesome to see that call uh come to fruition um it, like I had him projected uh let's see with uh uh uh, 129 cat uh, targets, 76 catches, 1100 yards, and nine touchdowns. And he, uh, oh no, that's what he finished with. I'm sorry. And I had him at 64 catches, a uh, thousand yards, and seven touchdowns. Just right there. So I mean, he even did better than what I did. He finished wide receiver 14. It just felt good to to say that he was gonna. Um, finally have that year fully healthy and play and uh, especially on a contract here good for him. Yeah. But, yeah, I'll take Mike Williams as my as my good call. Yeah, he made I was going to say Cordell Patterson, but oh, like yeah. I didn't really call that. I just said that there was the opportunity for him to get touches in that backfield. Definitely did not see him being wide receiver 9 running back whatever, you know, whatever yeah. you want to call him.
1: That's a great transition to probably my worst call of the year was Cordell Patterson. <laughs> uh, I have two, you know, Cordell Patterson, I you know, we kind of got in the – rift about it. I was like, dude, he's he's a career, you know, just special team specialist. You know, he gets some gadget touches, but uh, never in a million years did I think he was going to be, you know, uh, RB1 coming into the season. And even when he was RB1, we were both like, okay, it's time to trade him. It's time to trade him. And, you know, that really didn't well, pay off until the uh, you know last couple weeks of the season. But uh, yeah, he was definitely one of my worst calls this season.
0: Exactly. I had him in... Uh uh, in almost any every league i had you know i had him because i you know i was like hey i think there's opportunity here i don't think mike davis is good enough to to win over this backfield especially for as bad as it is and cordell's talented i traded him for miles sanders in the hangover league and then in in our big money league i traded him for uh, hollywood brown which the, the Sanders trade ended up probably being really bad. The Hollywood one, I don't think it was bad, but I think I honestly still would have done a lot better with Cordero. But at the time, it was like, dude, I'm winning right now. I'm getting a receiver that was going crazy, Hollywood was, and mm-hmm. I'm trading him for a running back that is on the Falcons and is not even really a running back or whatever he is. So.
1: Yeah, I mean, Um, talking about that, I mean, one of your best calls was the Mike Davis. You were hard on do not drive Mike Davis (laughs) at all, you know. So that that was definitely, Uh, I think, probably one of your best calls of the season.
0: I guess, guess, yeah, you don't think about best calls being the, like, do not. Yeah, yeah. what you did not do. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was hard. No, Mike Davis and uh, Miles Gaskin, and that turned out to be pretty true. Miles Gaskin probably for more injury related things and just that offense being up and down. But yeah, Mike Davis, I was like, don't do it. It's not worth it that often. But see, then Cordell kind of proved me wrong, right? Of like, you know, I said there wasn't this offense isn't going to be good enough rushing, but I think Cordell's wide receiver usage got him there. Like, if you just look at his rushing numbers, it wasn't good. Like his just his rushing numbers was not good, but the fact that he also got 50 catches, 500 receiving yards, you know, got it up there.
1: Yeah, his efficiency was unbelievable, and just the amount of touches and even snaps he was getting whenever he was on the field, he was getting the ball. So, yeah, yeah, he was definitely one of my worst calls. And then one of my other worst calls was I was all in on the rookie quarterbacks, Justin Fields and Trey Lance, this offseason, and even Trevor Lawrence on many of my, many of my teams, uh, best ball teams so uh, that didn't end up paying off for season long which kind of was rough i mean they had their moments and that you know they were startable streamable guys that you know when they did get some play but yeah that, that was definitely my worst call I went on i went on a bo- both a bunch of my redraft teams and you know those were my targets at quarterbacks which i guess if you look back then it didn't, didn't hurt me you know at the end of the season because you know I, w- I did have success you know streaming the position and finding you know, Gaps in there going for the upside of those guys But yeah those were definitely my worst calls This Part of what some of my worst calls this season
0: I will say though like to that note, like I don't know if They turned out Like bad calls but the process Was right because like Fields when he had The offense he posted some good games Lance when he had the offense he posted Some good games but they were held back by either The 49ers not playing Lance which obviously Was I mean they're in the NFC championship You can't say anything about it being the wrong decision at this point um, but Fields with Matt Nagy's uh, saga like that held him back with Lawrence and maybe like Zach Wilson. I, I didn't have Zach Wilson high, but I had him like in the you know low twenty or you know low teens, like around nineteen twenty range. The, the just the offenses themselves being as bad as they are, and those teams being bad, I think that that affects it more than like what Herbert went into with the Chargers. It was still a good offense that was ready yeah. for a quarterback. Um, you know, just trying to looking back at the process, I think Fields and Lance were not bad risks it just didn't work out because yeah i mean unforeseeable you know bears whatever you want to call that and then uh kyle shenanigans so
1: i totally agreed with that
0: um my worst call i mean it's it's it so i thought about this it's got to be sake one right like just because i was so high on Saquon, like you know i just gotta i just gotta eat it that it was it was Saquon. one i mean Uh, I'm still high on him dynasty-wise, like, going into the future. He's only 24 right now, like, and they may be, you know, hiring Brian Dabble, the offensive coordinator for the Bills. Like, there's still hope for Saquon, but this year alone I was so high on him, and he definitely didn't reach that. Um, And I think the process was bad on it because I didn't take into effect how bad that offense is and that his injuries did linger with him the first couple of weeks. And then the unfortunate ankle injury, which – I don't think is you know I, I don't think anybody thinks it's related, but it happened, so it is what it is. Uh, I'll take Saquon as my as my worst call, and Kenny Galladay kind of looped in. Just the Giants' offense, really in general, um, don't have faith in bad offenses, man.
1: Yeah, th- I think that's going to come back. I'm I'm talk about that kind of lessons we learned, but yeah, when it comes to you know you know production and stuff, it, it's really nice when you say, okay, look, I got the target leader for this team. But then when you you know look at look back at it, it's like, well, dang, was it really worth it? You know, to have a piece of this offense? Or You know, would I rather have you know a piece of you know third the third or fourth piece of this other offense that gives me a little more fire firepower? So, yeah, the the Giants' offense as a whole was definitely a letdown. Even I mean, I even thought it was a letdown because you know I. You were higher on them, but I still thought Kenny Galladay and, you know, Barkley, they would be playable guys, but they, at, you know, yeah, I mean, at some, at, towards the end of the season, you couldn't even, you know, you, they weren't even worth a
0: roster in redraft, to be honest. So, uh, yeah, they, they disappointed everybody's standards. I was just, I had higher standards than everyone else, so it has to be my worst call because, you know, I, I had that high of standards. But yeah, they disappointed on every, every, uh, measurable scale that you you can have for (laughs) a team fantasy value just uh everything
1: yeah very bad and so kind of looking on the season this was a question i presented to you was who is the best performer and you know this you take this any way you want who is the best performer that you won't believe in coming into next season next draft season so uh i i went with and i think this one was maybe a little too obvious but i went with it anyway i went with ezekiel elliott you know uh, he, he's gonna finish as a top you know 10rb but i just in i think he was number six in standard number five in standard something like that number eight or nine in PPR so i mean but coming into next season there's no way i'm drafting him in even you know the first round let alone maybe in the second round so uh he is probably the best performer that uh i won't believe in coming into next season.
0: Yeah, it's hard. Uh, I was actually going to say Zeke as well, which nice. I, I have a few players that I can I can mention. And it's crazy because, like, projected-wise, I projected Zeke to finish RB5. He finished RB6. This is the worst possible feeling that you could ever have about an RB6. <laughs> I just, know. If Isn't that crazy? Season, yeah, I mean. It, it really is. Like, you're like, this dude finished RB6, and I'm ready to never – I'm not going to have him on any teams next year. Yeah. Like, unless he falls to, like, the third round or, you know, just ridiculously low. Um you know, and becomes a bargain at that point. But like it, it looked bad. And I don't know if, I guess there's still time to like think on it and ponder, like did the, I a hundred percent think the Cowboys made a mistake playing him. Uh, they even came out and said, he doesn't need surgery. He just needs rest. And it's like, well, this happened week five. Why yeah. didn't you just get him that rest? Um, yeah. You know, cause, cause he was useless in, in the playoffs and at the end of the season. So why not just rest in mid season and get him to where he can be useful? What was the point of, like, mitigating him and making him, like... But anyways, he's getting old. Um, I think the Cowboys, cap-wise, are going to have to make some decisions. And I think Zeke and Amari Cooper on top of those, like, you know, do we keep? Is it worth it? Uh, And just, I think everybody would agree that Zeke would be the easy choice to get rid of, uh, trade him away. I think Cooper will end up being the one that gets tossed. um, And that's that's another hot take, I guess, for another episode. Uh, But, uh, yeah, Zeke, I, I... you don't know what team he'll be on, but also like even if he's on the Cowboys, man, I, I don't know. It's it's just not there right now, and this Cowboys team is only going to go downhill next year.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it is an offense that you probably even still want pieces of, uh, but yeah, just like you said, I feel like the price yeah, is, the price I mean, of Zeke is going to be higher than where either us right. are w- willing to to go get him.
0: And, and, and like you said, the pieces like CD like if Cooper does leave, then CD Lamb, Schultz, Dak, I think are still viable fantasy players. It'll just be the 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 Zeke thing of like, we need to value receivers more than we do already. Like you know, reevaluating whole draft strategies. Like receivers need to be more. I'm not gonna waste a first round pick on Ezekiel Elliott. You know what I mean? Like I'm, there's no what upside are you getting out of that? I, I don't I don't see much. So, uh, I mean even if the even if he plays all 17 games like just minorly consistently like it does not help you. I'd rather get eight games out of Derrick Henry. <laughs> <than>
1: 17 <laughs> out of Z Oh 100% Alright and so we both agreed on that one So let's go to our worst performer That you believe in in 2022 I'll let you go first since I went first last time
0: uh, So uh, To avoid constantly saying Saquon For all of these things <laughs> I'll mention him briefly I do think Saquon Bounces back for what I said earlier If they get uh, Brian Daball from the Bills In and kind of revamp this Offense um, I think there's still good pieces there. They have two high first, you know, first round draft picks. They probably should take both offensive linemen there, uh, with that. And then if you get Kadarius Toney healthy, get Kenny Galladay healthy for whatever he's worth, and Sterling Shepard, this offense can do some things. Um, definitely not going to get as high in them as I was last year. Um, bad performers that I, you know, I was going to say DK, but like he kind of finished good. Um, so that one's I don't know, it's it's kinda tough on, on him. I guess. Uh maybe Christian McCaffrey if you can count that a bad performer. Like yeah, people are changing. starting to fade him to like end of first round, and I think that's just a mistake. Like even in the games he did play, he still averaged twenty points per game. Like in the in the little that he did. You know, he played seven games and his he, he averaged twenty one points per game. Like
1: I mean when he was he, on the when he was on the field he was, you know, arguably the best fantasy asset i mean i had him and you know it's just yeah. an easy 20 points in a standard league let alone in a ppr so yeah he that's a good one that you know best performer if he falls in that late in that first late first
0: Dude, it, that's yeah, a steal like, yeah i mean even imagine you're drafting at the nine slot and christian mccaffrey's there yeah that feels like an easy win even if you only get him for seven games i don't care like that's I'll take that value all day.
1: So the guy I went with was uh, DeAndre Hopkins, uh, mainly because you just kind of saw the Cardinals needed him as much as anybody when he, you know, with Kyler Murray. And, you know, I don't expect you also have, uh, I think Kristen Kirk's a free agent, AJ Green's a free agent. So that, that, you know, there's some openings in that receiving core that, you know, that depth wise that won't, maybe be there next year. And I think he still looked, you know, he wasn't getting the targets that he necessarily used to getting, but he still looked as an alpha receiver as there is out there. Uh, I don't know if he'd be, you know, the wide receiver one, you know, like we've seen in leagues past, uh, overall, but I think he can top definitely be a top 12 receiver. And I think depending on where he falls in ADP, if you can get him in the third or fourth round, uh, that's just awesome value so he he's one of the worst performers that i have a lot of hope for coming into next season
0: and and that's i was going to follow up and add to your point where you just finished with the like where you could get him if he falls to the end of the third getting him is like your second receiver feels really good yeah right oh that feels that feels really good um so i like that call a lot too like i think hop is getting close to the the decline these injuries seem to be adding up but even you know On the off chance he can get you 10, 12 games, uh, they're going to be good games, and he's going to get the ball.
1: All right, so our next award, I guess, or thing, is the fantasy football MVP. I'm curious to where you go with this one. I went with uh, a guy we just got done talking with, Cooper Cup. Who was on, I think, forty-eight percent of ESPN, you know, final teams. I don't know what the end of you know the championship kind of things were. So but he's my fantasy football MVP, mainly because you could have got him in the third or like the fourth or fifth round in most drafts. And uh he just was a stud all season. It just didn't, never failed. You know, he was a stud all season. So he was my fantasy football MVP.
0: Yeah, so for me it was between three players. Uh, Cooper Cup is is who I would end on because of like you said where you could have got him uh, fourth round like and he finished you know above a lot of quarterbacks like I think he'd have been QB five or four or something just ridiculous like that value is impossible to beat. Jonathan Taylor's in the discussion as well, and then honestly Debo Samuel is yeah, in that discussion good one, yeah. as, as well uh, just because of where you could have got him. Like you could have got him maybe in the fifth and sixth seventh rounds. Mm-hmm. The problem, though, with having him be the MVP is because there was times early in the season where it wasn't hot like that. So uh, you could have traded him away for not great value. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he wasn't like Cup. Where you ever anyone who had Cup probably most definitely kept Cup the entire year on their team, unless you're Josh Joshua Moore uh, <laughs> listening to this and you trade him for Ezekiel Elliott. But uh, <laughs> panic. That's the that's the, that's what made me decide on Cup. Yeah. Because,
1: yeah, I think Cooper, like you said, just the whole season was just as consistent as you can be, especially at the receiver position. So he's my he was, the, I think, pretty clear fantasy football MVP. But I do like Debo. Debo was is a good name. You know, I he he was probably like you said one of the top two or three names available. So all
0: right, and the the next one we want to talk about is the fantasy football least valuable player.
1: Yeah, let's do the fantasy football least value. Pa- player so I kind of looked at this as you know I didn't want to pick obvious like names that were like uh, injured you know it's it's pretty easy you could say you know Chris McCaffrey for what you <laughs> it's pretty easy for like the names you could <laughs> tell him Nelson that you could pick like injury guys or something like that but I went with a guy that played majority of the year and uh, I put Alan Robinson as my least valuable player
0: <laughs> In it's the
1: same here, Allen Robinson. Yeah, so that, I'm, we're on the same track there. I mean, you drafted him in the third round, and you know, I mean, you know, people. I, I probably had him as a top six or seven receiver, and he came nowhere close to that. So, uh, yeah, he's the LV. What do you call the LMVP or LVP of fantasy football this year?
0: Yeah, I also wanted to throw in uh, it's Alan Robinson for me, but I also kind of want to throw in Darren Waller because he finished tight end seventeen, and probably for where you drafted him, maybe even in the second round if you're in a tight end league. uh, Darren Waller probably really hurt your teams this year. Yeah, I
1: mean, I had a couple teams that I drafted him in that third round just because I was like, I'm gonna try, you know, this build this team, yeah, through a tight end. And, you know, one of the teams ended up doing okay, even without him. But, yeah, the other team was just total trash. And he was a big part of it. So, yeah, that's a good one, Darren Waller.
0: And it's weird because, like, points per game-wise, since he played 11 games, like, his points per game is actually equal with Dalton Schultz. But Dalton Schultz played the full 17. That six extra games gets him to, like, 200 fantasy points and keeps Waller at 130. But those missed (laughs) games – when, for where you draft Darren Waller, that hurts, especially like in a position like tight end where it's like, if you're going to take one early, it has to be a hit or else that team is tanked.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, he tanked a lot of rosters, especially at the tight end position, like you said, when you're hoping for a top three you know, at worst production and you get, you know, bottom eight, even when he's on the field. So yeah, definitely one of those players that it'll be interesting where he falls. I'm sure, you know, the tight end position so, so is such a problem anyways. To, he'll probably still be a top five
0: guy, a top four guy even. I think he does probably drop to maybe like the fifth round, like where Mark Andrews is getting taken this year, and Andrews slides up to that like early third round. Uh, they kind of flip-flop positions, and that makes it interesting for Darren Waller again. So <laughs> Yeah,
1: and the the uh, price there, if you still believe in it. I mean, he's an older prospect too. I mean, I think he's 29. You know, yeah. a hard, a hard, hard life. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't. I, we'll see where he falls. I'm. I'm. That might be another lesson I learned: not to even try to do that tight end. Just, just, end yeah, out, yeah, just, it, just kind of stream the position. Find that Dalton Schultz or somebody like that, and uh, you know, take your L at the tight end position.
0: Yeah, I, I can't, I can't argue with that. Uh, but yeah, as Alan Robinson for me still wins the the award. I mean, just because it was so bad. Like, and he would play, and for the first seven weeks of the season, you kept playing him because you're like, it has to get better, and it never even got remotely. Yeah, it didn't matter. Okay. It didn't matter
1: what quarterback was playing. Or, you know who was calling the plays. It just wasn't good. He'll, he's an interesting guy. You know, he'll be a free agent this year, and where he ends up landing, does he? I don't know if he'll get the money that you know maybe we would have thought he would last off season. So uh, it will be interesting to see where he lands. Especially you know say he lands somewhere with like the Chiefs or something as the number two. I think that's a beautiful fit, and then we'll probably all right back into Allen Robinson. But yeah, uh, not great this year.
0: I'd actually like him as a as a replacement for Chris Godwin in the Bucks offense. Um, if Brady stays, uh, I think that I think he'd be. A, a good fit there. Uh, just weirdly thinking about it. Um, uh, likely landing spots, though. I think the Eagles are kind of in contention Eagles, for, yeah. to sign a wide sign a wide receiver. That'd be like the Alshon Jeffrey route, right? Play for the Bears mm-hmm. uh, and then go to the Eagles. Well, um, yeah, I mean, and they they've
1: they've tried the whole draft to. Receiver for they three drafts. So, they need to stop drafting. Yeah, let's just go get the veteran and then have the young guys behind them. Yeah, I, I, I don't. I like that a lot better than a lot of mocks. I'm seeing them draft another receiver, and I'm like, I know it's like, please stop just, wasting. For yeah, just, just move on. You're let's killing go them. Go sign somebody. Yeah, great, great concept there.
0: Um. So the next one that we want to talk about is players that we can't quit. Um. That you know, so they may have a, they may have done bad or even they may have been medium but uh you can't quit them going into the next season uh for me uh, again uh, you know i'll say saquon and then i'll follow <laughs> up with like a, another player um and for me it's saquon and uh i want to say amari cooper mark cooper, uh, yeah. i think i think uh, amari i'm convinced that he won't be a cowboy next year and i think wherever he goes he'll get the ball a lot more and i think even if he does stay being a cowboy i think they understand that they need to stop with the the so much gimmicky kind of uh you know you have really good players and at some point like the 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 formations and everything and the schemes that you try to do against the defense they're nice but get your guys the ball like CD Lamb needs the ball yeah. more Yeah, scheme Mark
1: ways Huber to get the them ball the more. ball yeah
0: yeah uh even if they're even if it's one on one like you see Amari one on one out there like dude he can get he can get 5 yards of separation like you know what I mean just
1: yeah, work on those
0: routes. Quit working on these like gimmick plays to Malik Turner and Cedric Wilson. And that's like, what it I seemed like. Did. A lot of
1: their like scheme touches were to their secondary players. You know, Tony Pollard or you know Dalton Schultz yeah, or like, stuff like that. Like, let's get our best players the balls in their hands, and you know I, that's cute. That, you know they, that's cool every once in a while to you know scheme a reversal to Wilson and he chunks it downfield to guy, but let, let's try to scheme ways to get our best players the ball. You know, besides just handing it off to Zika. But that's a good one, yeah. Cooper. Cooper's a really good one. I went with you know one of my favorites, and you know he had a he had a huge moment at this year, it, you know the playoffs of this year was Duke Johnson. I just I can't quit him, man. <laughs> I can't quit him. You know, as soon as I'm out, just like okay, it's over. I don't have to worry about. It. He comes back and gives you a three touchdown game, and looks like you know just. The, the a stud. And then, you know, that was one of my calls. I was like, dude, he, he would be the best running back in Miami if he signed there today. And then he signed there and eventually he got the touches and, you know, he was better than Miles Gaston's and who's a guy that, you know, is probably going to be out of the league in a year or two in Gaskins. So, uh, yeah, Duke Johnson, I can't quit him. I, I'm not necessarily saying I'm going to draft him anywhere or, you know, even go pick him up in dynasty, but he is one of those guys that. Uh, just brings me a smile when he does perform well
0: uh, so duke johnson his points per game he played five games right five games played uh statistically recorded according to pro football reference his points per game fantasy wise over those five games is 14.66 <coughs> uh and I'll, I'll list some names around around there uh that's the same as cd lamb across 16 Beautiful. games it's right behind deandre hopkins and it's uh, more than Javonta Williams and uh, more than DK Metcalf and George Kittle and Marquise Brown and Michael Pittman Jr. So yeah, just
1: give uh, him a chance. <laughs> just
0: give the man <laughs> a chance. So. He is twenty eight though, going twenty nine. But hey, uh, Cordero's thirty. Yeah. So, I mean, it, and
1: it, it, could, it could it could happen. Someone, it, somebody could give him a feature yeah. role and just run with it. I mean, we we saw Rex Burkhead get a feature role, and I love Rex Burkhead. But come on, do give Duke Johnson a feature role this offseason.
0: Give a chance, or just uh, honestly, like just you know, trust in the talent. Take him with a late round pick, and then he'll end up on a team where the running back gets hurt somewhere, and yeah. he'll get some opportunities Best, ball, at some point. you uh, know,
1: last pick and best ball, just you know, throwing a dart at a running back position. Do it.
0: Yeah. Um, at this point, you can't argue the talent anymore. Um, I like that though. That's a that's a good can't quit. Uh, what's next on the list? So lessons
1: we learned. We have you know we would start with redraft, and then we'd do a dynasty. So lessons we learned in redraft. Uh, I mean, I don't know if this is necessarily a lesson I learned, but this is like just emphasize more of how I think about redraft. And you know, it's a weekly game, and uh, you have to you know play the matchups, play the you know positional matchups, play the streaming game if you need to. Like, it, it's great to have that view, very beautiful roster where you know you can just look at it, and be like, man, look at my RB2, is so much better than this guy's. So look at my you know. Wide receivers, but at some point you got to realize that you know that kind of becomes null, and the fact that you know maybe that guys playing a bad run def- or a really good run defense, you know maybe towards the end of the season you're dealing with injuries or guys that are you know, uh, you, know you know we might we might start seeing players that you know rest a little longer, find different you know like the NBA. So, yeah, just realize it's a weekly game and always turning that bottom of your roster. So, I think it's not necessarily a lesson I learned, but just something that uh, I was emphasized more than maybe ever this year.
0: Yeah, for me, um... I mean, I've talked about it in in a couple of the last episodes. It's the running back to wide receiver value, uh, valuing wide receivers more and starting to value running backs on teams that score a lot of touchdowns. You look at Leonard Fournette, James Conner, they finished with more points per game than Dalvin Cook. They, you know, Conner averaged 19 over 15 games, Leonard Fournette 20 points per game over 14 games because they were on the Cardinals who scored a lot of touchdowns, you know, uh, whether or not you think that offense, you know, kind of sputtered down at the end, you know, he he, he scored a lot of touchdowns. Uh, it's just what it is. He was the touchdown back, you know, and then Fournette, he's on a team that's going to score a lot of points. Even if that means Brady's the number one passer in the league passing yardage wise, the running backs could get some points, too, because it ends up just being a good scheme play to go to the running back when your quarterback's hot. Um, so I think. Looking for those advantages in the middle rounds, running backs that are being looked down on because they're not in that top fifteen-ish running backs, but are that have that capability of, of, I mean, you get ten touchdowns, it doesn't matter what you're doing yardage wise. No. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, a, t- a touchdown in a game is it? It makes your player like it's a good play. It doesn't matter what he did if he got ten yards. Like he got a touchdown, he almost got t- got you ten points. It was a safe play.
1: Yeah, and I think that goes hand in hand with what I said too is, you know, the running exactly. the running back position is, you know, maybe easier to predict weekly cuz you know, you can find those guy on the or wire who's going to get, you know, 10 or 15 touches cuz of injury or whatever. Uh the receiver position though is, you know, it's, it it's really hard to find those, you know, those guys on the waiver wire you maybe you can find ones later in the draft. Like we talked about maybe Debo or in the middle of the draft, not even later in the draft, but middle of the draft with like Debo or Cooper cup or stuff like that. But really when you go look at that list of receivers compared to the, you know, weekly list of running backs, it's usually pretty consistent of, you know, big name receivers the other way, you know, you have to be good to get open, but you don't have to be necessarily good to get touches at the running back position. So I think, yeah, like you said, uh, that's something looking forward that uh, definitely a lesson we can learn as fantasy football players.
0: Yeah. So, so that's, that's good for redraft. Also, I'm going to fade quarterbacks. I'm done taking quarterbacks (laughs) uh, in the fifth, fifth round. Uh, Dak Prescott burned me this year. Um, So I'm, I'm done there. And then even Lamar uh, burned me in, in the hangover league. Um, Just done doing it. Uh, You can, Especially with what we've seen with like Cooper Cup and Debo Samuel, like those rounds need to be those fringe receivers, fringe running backs that can swing your team uh, into a powerhouse.
1: Can't agree more.
0: Can't agree more.
1: All right. So, Dynasty, (laughs) what have we learned from in Dynasty? This is, you know, our probably, you know, second, third season of actually playing competitive Dynasty. And uh, so I'll let you go first. What did you learn most from Dynasty football this year?
0: So, Dynasty this year, I learned. and it's not even really that I learned. It's I think what I'm trying to learn is, is when you need to know uh, to pull the trigger on 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 trades, or when's the right time to to you know make a trade. Um, and, and what I mean by that is like uh, knowing that when picks our draft picks are the most valuable versus least valuable. Which you know least valuable is in season. Uh, you know most valuable is. NFL draft time or when it starts picking up close to that. Uh, trade those picks, man, just because the draft itself is just a crapshoot. Like, yeah, you could end up with Jamar Chase. You could end up with Najee. Or you could end up with uh, Travis Etienne or, you know, Rashad Bateman or, um, you know, someone that just burns you. Um,
1: Trey Sherman. It's, <laughs> it's...
0: Yeah, Trey Sherman, man, uh, man alive. Uh, honestly, I forgot about him for a second. Like, but yeah, he was a... He's a second round pick that you know just hurts you. It's like just trade that pick, especially right at the draft, and you could go get you could have got Leonard Fournette for a second round pick, maybe. Yeah. I mean, you know, and look what he did. I mean, long, quit looking past like two years. Like if you're like, oh well, in three years, I don't know where the running back will be. Who gives a shit? What is he? What is he going to do this next year? Yeah. Like, especially with running backs. Uh, so that's that's kind of where I'm at is like running backs look two years out. Everything else you can look further out. Um, but running backs, like, just think about the next two years. Do you have guys that can play two years? If so, you don't need to worry about trading for them, drafting them.
1: Yeah, I, that, that kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with what I was saying, was like uh, dynasty, don't overvalue youth. I mean, w- you go into, you know, dynasty football and you think, okay, I really want C.D. Lamb, you know, not to, you know, talk bad about him but at the end of the season brandon cooks has you know as many points as him and and, you know you could have got brandon cooks for you know second third round pick you know and plus something you know and and dynasty but then you know cd lamb you had to basically mortgage the future to be able to even get him on your roster so uh don't overvalue the i like like we like you said don't look two years away you know oh, in two years, you know, well, you know, try to win now, but also, you know, you don't want to overvalue a player and think, okay, two years from now, you know, they can lose their job, they can get injured, they can be new coaches, there can be a whole new situation, new quarterback. Uh So, yeah, I do like that, how you said focus on the two-year plan and then, you know, even then kind of shorten it because you never know. I mean, you might hit jackpot on, you know, Cooper Cup. Maybe you have the next Cooper Cup that, you know, kind of was a fringe wide receiver too and, and you know, just – Hits hard, or you know, maybe you hit on Jamar, Jamar Chase uh, in the draft as you know a mid-round pick. So, uh, yeah, don't overvalue the youth. Is kind of my my thought process.
0: Yeah, I mean, because I mean, just uh, a broad example is like if you asked people, like maybe in the Dynasty space, like on Twitter, like I see their stuff all the time. I think Dynasty Twitter might be my least favorite types of Twitter, <laughs> like that and like uh, I don't know, like just. Furries, maybe like furry Twitter, like I people mean, post. Them, I haven't found,
1: found furry Twitter yet, but I have. I have furry found. You don't want to find I have, it. Um, I have found
0: <laughs> fantasy Twitter, and it is it is something else to, to be seen. It, well, it's like it's like you ask those people, and like they will tell you a hundred percent they'd rather have DeAndre Swift and like Elijah Mitchell over Derrick Henry and Dynasty right now. Yeah. And I'm like, why? Like, even if Derek Henry plays one more season, I'd rather have that one season next year where, like, he he's, you know, a top-five redraft pick versus Elijah being a, a second-to-third-round running back for four years or DeAndre Swift being, you know, in and out of injuries – yeah, I mean for for three years on De- on the Detroit Lions. Like,
1: I mean, winning this year it counts as much as winning three years from now. You know, I think that's sometimes what. Yeah, you know, what, like winning one this year is the same as winning one in three years. Like, you, you're still getting the same. It's the same, you know, championship. You're you're not getting bonus points for you know, winning in a couple of years or whatever. So. Yeah, and I, I, you know, if you look on there, it's like you know people are saying, "Oh, you need to sell this guy now. This is like peak of his value." But if he can, oh but if he can help you, you know, why why am I selling him for a future second or third round pick when, you know, if I am you know a team that definitely needs to rebuild, that I'm not, you know, I'm not that close. I mean, but I, I think usually in every league, there's probably if you're in a 12 team league, there's probably. Eight or nine teams that can realistically get in playoffs. There's bottom three teams that are really trying to, you know, just survive. And you know, even those teams can hit. So it's a new season every year. So I wouldn't necessarily say, oh, you're completely out of it in the off season. I think your off season plan needs to be, how do I get this team to win? You know, you're not you're not necessarily just tanking. Once you get in the season, then you can make the plans. say, okay, now I need to, you know, move this or you know, move this guy. This is probably, you know, I'm not going to get much value out of him this year or whatever it is but yeah I, I, I mean you, they had 26 year old receivers and it's like oh you need to sell him now well why <laughs> you know? yeah. what what is the point of that I waited I got him now like that's what the whole point of having him is is to have success with them so uh,
0: yeah I was seeing a discussion on like Amon Ross St. Brown's like value and like they're having him over like over Tyler Lockett, over DeAndre Hopkins, over Brandon Cooks, and I'm like, yeah, man, I just it's on the Lions with Jared Goff. Uh, yeah, I just I can't do it. Yeah. Like I can't. I don't. I don't care how young he is and what he could be. It's like, what, what am I? What is more likely next season that Amon Raza, a top twenty four receiver, or that Brandon Cooks, DeAndre Hopkins, and Tyler Lockett are top twenty four receivers? Yeah, uh- like I'll, I'll take the. I'll, all day i'll take the the more likely for for the next season and even the year after like
1: and like how many of those guys are going to be like difference makers you know like yeah you get the younger guy who's you know probably like you're saying a top 25, 26 receiver but is he really like a difference maker at the, you know season long yeah is he or is you know hopkins <laughs> is gonna he going to sit
0: like yeah like going into next year, like you you're facing a team, are you gonna look and be like, I got a Monroe St. Brown, like they're scared of him, or are you gonna look at the other team and be like, shit, they got Hop, he could go off for like, a hundred and two this week, yeah, like exactly. just easy. So um, yeah. I mean, that's
1: that's something I would focus on. Is every offseason you're trying to build a winning team, and then you know. Once the season yeah. comes and you see what's happening, you know, it's a little easier to sell those players and, you know, go, then you can go get the youth, you know, then go trade Hopkins or whoever and get the youth or younger guys and, you know, hope for the next year that, that it all comes together. But yeah, don't, don't overvalue youth in dynasty football.
0: And then, um, it's just, is there, is there a worse trade that you can think about than like, uh, um you're you're in my trade of of kenny galladay and uh, uh you gave me kenny galladay i gave you claypool jalen rager in a second round pick i think oh, like yeah. in three years it's just um just kenny galladay being the main piece that i got absolutely terrible and then rager <laughs> just being absolutely a wash uh and then claypool claypool I like guess still has plenty of time ahead but like Claypool's one of those guys that he's probably overvalued right now because of how young he is and the the explosion he's had but you know, it's possible that Claypool never is a top 12 wide receiver. Yeah,
1: I mean, is he ever going to be that guy that wins you, you know, like we're talking about, is he going to have that peak outcome? I don't know. You know, we, we got to see what the quarterback position goes too, there because, you know, maybe they, you know, if they go get, say they get a Watson or a Rogers Rodgers or something like that, then that brings Claypool up a lot. But even then it's like, do you really trust him to stay on the field and all this stuff that, you know, it seemed like he got in Mike Tomlin's doghouse. Yeah, that that second-round that yeah. second round pick, though, that I'm going to hit on, and I don't know, it was like 2024 or something. That's the one I'm going to hit. And then, yeah, yeah, that's going to be the one that, that swings that trade drastically.
0: Yeah, that pick, just the fact that it's still, like, you know, ways away gives you that, like, security of, like, it doesn't matter what else was, was lost in the trade, even if Kenny Galladay has a good year next year. Uh, I'm glad I got rid of Rager and I don't even have to, like, think about even it. You don't have
1: to and, roster uh, I mean – <laughs> he's like he's the hardest guy because like I can't cut him because you know he is a first round pick and you know he is starting and you know I think you can cut maybe, him. I think you need you to cut him. <laughs> I just I look at I look at some people in the waiver wire I'm like uh, he'd be the best you know, prospect yeah, yeah, he'd be the best prospect on there so. And I don't, I don't necessarily need to start him any scenario. You know, maybe he's, you know, like yeah, he's
0: not, he's not hurting your. team. Maybe he
1: but, has like so. a Nelson Aguilar type resurgence, you know, that gives you a season or two that, you know, you weren't expecting. It gives you a couple of weeks, yeah, but just a couple. Who weeks, knows, so you
0: know? And and that's that's the beauty is like people. I mean, I, I guess like when we talk about like top twelve wide receiver, I don't think people understand how hard it is mm-hmm. for a receiver to get in. Like we saw what you know, uh, Jamar Chase did, but like. It's not a hundred percent guaranteed. Jamar Chase is a top twelve wide receiver next year. Oh yeah, um, it, it, it's not a hundred percent guaranteed that really any of these guys are top twelve. It's, top twelve is hard. There's thirty two teams, and if you take all their best wide receiver, that's thirty two. Which means that you know one of the team's best wide receivers is a wide receiver three, and he's the guy getting the most targets. Uh, you know, he's the Michael Pittman that has really good games. But you know, I mean, he ends up wide receiver eighteen. He didn't really change a whole lot, but he's a really good flex, or you know. I mean, there's DJ Moore who, like, DJ Moore may never reach his full potential, but you talk to some people, like, I believe in DJ Moore. He could be a top five wide receiver. It's like, he could be. Could be, yeah. He might not ever. Be a top twelve wide receiver. There's a lot
1: of projecting like, instead yeah. of like, okay, he is this, you know. Well, if he is that, yeah, then like it's, the talent. It's almost like, oh, everybody yeah, wants I mean, you to trade him away, you know. Like, oh, he is a top five receiver. Okay, I need to trade him away. Instead of, you know, like I said, it's good to win win this year as much as it is in two years. Yeah. <laughs> it's the same.
0: Yeah, um, which helped you with your draft strategy, right? Like doing the auction, you got Tyreek and Devontae Adams, which turns out to be just fucking amazing because they, I mean, you still paid a lot to get them, but not as much as probably should have been because people were like, oh, I need to go get Justin Jefferson and and all these rookies. Yeah. You know, and it's like, dude, we're ignoring these guys right here that are going to be playing four or five more years as top 12, guaranteed top 12 wide receivers.
1: Yeah. And it was, it was a good strategy. I gotta admit, you know, it's got me to two championships. I should have won the first one. It hurts, but getting that second one makes up for it. So we'll see what happens next year. We get, we got to, you know, see how everything falls, but do you want to, do you want to talk about the dynasty awards real fast that we, you know, the polls or whatever that we did
0: a few weeks ago? Um, yeah, yeah, let me, I can try to bring those up. Um, you remember any of them off the top
1: of your head? Uh, no, I do not. I think, I think manager, I think, I don't, I think Tyler got manager of the year, but I wasn't really sure. I can't remember.
0: No, I think you oh, did. did I? Um, Tyler got Tyler got best trader, best I trader. believe. There you go. Yeah. Um. Yeah. You got you got manager of the year. Kudos to you. Um. Uh, and then um, let's see. MVP. We voted J- Jonathan Taylor the player MVP. And um, we got the most likely to win next season. I think. I think you either won that or tied. You won it again, so you're most likely to repeat, I guess. Um which, I mean you got Jonathan Taylor, Tyreek Hill, and Devontae Adams. Like it's it's hard not to not to feel like that. Um And then we got the hardest manager to trade with, which uh Austin won barely. There's a lot of you know, there's Almost everybody's name came (laughs) up in here. There's a James, there's a Josh, there's, you know, Austin, there's, there's you, there's Bo, there's Michael, there's Troy, there's Malik, there's me. Uh, Everybody came up, I guess it depends on your experience trying to go get one of their players and they just kept telling you no. Yeah. (laughs) um, I think it's funny, like, I mean, that's the thing about trading is like, you can have this complete mindset of like, oh, this, this player to me is valued here. But if that if that person is just a little bit higher on them, like it completely changes the trade the trade uh, landscape of how you're gonna go get that guy or not. Like um it, I, I think about like Saquon Barkley. Like for me, like when I was trading Joe Mixon, like I I had Joe Mixon as you know, I projected him to be a top ten running back. I projected him to have a really good year. He had a really good year. But everyone like I was not gonna get near the value that I had him at. Because no one else felt like that. Or, you know, no one else was willing to pay pay that because it was Joe Mixon and he's just, you know, severely hated. Um, it, it's just one of those things, like, I guess the nuance of trading that, that makes Dynasty really fun and interesting. Yeah, like, and trying then, to match stuff uh, I know
1: Mayburn is always, you know, what you think of another person's team is maybe not what they think about their own team. So uh, that, that, also, right. that also brings a whole different dramatic uh, aspect to it.
0: But, yeah, kudos to you. You you got manager of the year. You got most likely to win next year. Tyler got best uh, negotiator. Um, and then Austin got hardest to trade with. Barely, though, it was very spread out. I think he won because he had two people said him versus everyone else just having one person say him. Uh, and I think, Aust- I think Austin get got that award because he comes out of the gate really hard, like like harder than most people. <laughs> like he's like – like if you tried to go get, uh, he's got Jefferson and Lamb, right? Um, if you go tried to get Lamb, like he he'd be like, I want three first, and and a rookie wide receiver and something. like straight out of the gate, and it's like, whoa, man, I can't, yeah, <laughs> I can't mortgage everything I have for this this one guy that that was a wide receiver, a fringe wide receiver too this year. Yeah, um, I I feel
1: I feel like uh, that's pretty. Uh, Tyler and I are usually always Tyler tries to get one of my players or a couple of my players every every couple of weeks every month or so, and I just kept turning them down, and it, it felt like I felt like I was going to get that specifically for just how many trades I turned down from Tyler this this season or all season. So, <laughs> and, and James James did the same thing, so uh, I'm sorry guys, I didn't want to trade away my championship team to you guys, but uh, you know, try, try – See, I mean that's that's <laughs> try again next that's
0: year. The thing. Uh, Tyler and I, we both had a few trades back and forth, and we both ended up win- – like I uh, I got Amari Cooper in a second-round pick next year for Chris Godwin and my third this year, and I'd, I'd like to say that Tyler won that because Chris Godwin I think is better, but, I mean, I think it's still pretty even, uh, but I'll give him to Godwin because Godwin just looks awesome when he's healthy. But then I also – another trade sent Robbie Anderson straight up for Mike Williams, and I feel great about that trade. Yeah. Um, because Roby was never gonna, I just never found him fitting anywhere in my lineup. It was and, just a fringe flex play. I mean, there
1: was a couple off. There was a lot of offseason trades, but one of the ones that I thought was maybe the, seemed like the most lopsided, but kind of evened its way out during the year was the Mayburn and Austin trade, where Austin traded uh, Kamara and Waller to Mayburn for Jefferson. Which you know, however you felt about Jefferson, now you know his value is. Tenfold, you know, he's a probably arguably one of the best fantasy receivers, and especially in Dynasty. Yeah,
0: he solidified it. Yeah,
1: and then I think he had like Sam Donalds, which was a miss, but he was hot for a while, and I don't know what else he got. But uh, looking at that,
0: he got a first in Miles Gaskin. There as well.
1: he was, a first in Miles Gaskin. So looking at it, you know, back, it's kind of, you know, maybe more evened out than was expected. And probably wasn't. Oh, yeah, I remember. Probably wasn't the hit. I
0: remember in Austin. Yeah,
1: probably wasn't the hit, you know that Austin was the Austin was looking for that quarterback hit with Sam Donald, which didn't happen, but he had a major hit with Justin Jefferson. So.
0: Right. Exactly. And then even Mayburn, like he was hoping to get Kamara and Waller, Waller dudded. Uh, Kamara did really good, but you know, still didn't get him to where he was hoping to get. Um, I think Mayburn would rather have Justin Jefferson back. And I think Austin's probably happy with, well, I think Mayburn would rather have that because he could have Justin Jefferson and Jamar chase right now. look really good, but, uh, um, that's that thing. I mean, that, and that's that kind of like wind of fire trade that I was talking about. That like, I still think it was the right process by Mayburn to make that trade. He just missed the championship by a little bit, but the fact that he was there means it was the right move yeah. in my opinion. And
1: like you said, it, it could pay off next season. It, since it's a dynasty, yeah, it, I mean, the it, dynasty. League. Both those
0: guys are going to play next yeah, year, so it, it could eventually
1: hit next year. You know, just kind of how it pays off.
0: Yeah kamara and and waller still have two more years at least in my opinion like and that's that two-year thing looking two years out both those guys are still going to be top 10 at their position for for the next two years i agree um it's just jefferson i guess it's that age thing that's like well you know jefferson's solidified now and he's got eight ten years left so all
1: right well my wife is looking at me she's ready for dinner so uh (laughs) i had fun
0: it was exciting
1: we got the review. I'm,
0: yep, it's a good podcast. Good review. We're starting to get into the the draft prospects. That'll be fun. Yeah, we're talking we're, uh, breaking down that stuff. We're talking about
1: coaches and draft prospects. I've started to look at some drafts prospects, and so yeah, it's exciting. Especially you know, uh, it it helps to you know look all season because then when you do see that Amal St. Brown, you know, Amon Ross St. Brown guy, it, it's easier to go pick him up. And you know, when you see that you know you've seen him play and he's one of your you know more favorite prospects coming in so uh yeah draft so yeah keep listening keep following we'll be putting out content all off season. thanks everybody peace
0: out